A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 99 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, and with me, as always, my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Baseball's back! Woo! We're here. Episode 99, and the lockout has ended. It's a great day to talk some baseball. It's about time. We can breathe a sigh of relief. There's going to be 162-game season. I'm surprised that no news has come out as we're recording this now at 8.30 p.m. on March the 10th, the day the lockout ended. I was just waiting. I was hoping we would break some news on here, but hadn't seen anything yet. But who knows? Maybe at some point during this pod, we'll we'll get some good news. But, yes, we're one, one episode away from – Episode 100 as well, so it's a happy time for baseball, happy time for the Fantrax Toolshed podcast, so very exciting time for sure. It it really is. I am so, I, I just, I can't even put into words how happy I am to have this stupid lockout done and we can finally finish the off season in the middle of March. Uh, we should already have spring training games going on, but hey, you know, we'll still get 162. Just a slightly different, a little delayed start, a little delayed end, some more double headers. But I'm just so excited and wait, you know, just waiting for that flurry of moves to happen. And I'm sure we'll have an episode discussing it all. Um, so still a lot of huge names out there. Like, where does Freeman go? Where does Carlos Correa go? Chris Bryant, you know, Clayton Kershaw. So many big names still left unsigned. Uh, Sai Suzuki. See what my Red Sox do, what your Braves do. It's going to be a fun next couple of days, and by the time people are listening to this, maybe some of those guys have already signed. Who knows? Maybe it's a, a late night of uh, moves here tonight on, uh, what are we, a Thursday night here. So, But we have a fun episode today, a little bit different. Uh, we're going to review some of our recent industry leagues that we've done, uh, with three in particular. 
to do Raz Slam, TGFBI, and Tout. My Tout is still going on since I'm in the draft and hold, uh, but we're over half. We're pushing like two thirds of the way there. So uh, a lot of, you know, most of that draft's already done, but Chris's draft is already done. Uh, he finished Raz Slam about a month and a half ago, <laughs> it feels like. Uh, your your league was insane, dude. Like, you guys finished, and everyone out the next highest was like, what, a little over halfway? Like, yeah. 42 rounds, next highest was like, I don't know, round 24, and you guys were done. It was just insane. Yeah, no no league was, somebody had a tracker, like, no league was halfway done by the time we finished. It was really bizarre and it was the fastest slow draft i've ever been in like i just like looked away and i was back on the clock and i think we finished so 42 rounds 12 teams we finished in a little over four days i think we, we started on monday we finished like saturday around lunchtime so you know right at five days that's <laughs> that's kind of nuts <laughs> dude i i can't even imagine yeah that that literally probably is the fastest slow draft in the history of slow drafts um yeah, <laughs> we're going to break it, break it all down before we get into that, though. The usual housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at EricCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both of us. And, of course, check out all the other great work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our 2022 draft kit and... Both Chris and I just dropped our updated prospect top 400 rankings this week. Chris, uh, when you're listening to this yesterday, technically today, uh, when we're recording this on Thursday, his top 400 OBP rankings, and I put mine out on Monday. So go check those out. A lot of fun rankings adjustments in there. Um, but let's get right into it, Chris. And we will start with Raz Slam. And for those that aren't aware, aren't familiar with the Raz Slam format, it's a little different. And Mr. Clegg's going to break it all down for us now. Yeah, so the, the Raslam format is a very different format, but it's a lot of fun. It is a modified NFBC cut line. So if you've never played a cut line, it's basically a best ball draft, but there are two fab periods in the contest. Basically, one is like a week after the season starts, and the other is in June, if I, yeah, June 7th. So April 12th and June 7th. The first fab period will probably be adjusted, I guess, with the season, you know, being starting a week late. So, but still, you have a week, first fab period runs, and then you have your second fab period in June. But basically, what happens is you're in a league and there's 12 teams. The normal cut line is actually 10 teams. But what you do in the cut line format, obviously, it is a um, automatic system in the best ball format. But the top three teams from each league advance to the championship tier. So after a certain time period, um, it's actually midway through the season, July 15th, it basically you're reseeded. So you have 12 teams in your league, top three from each league go to the championship tier. And then the fourth, fifth and sixth place teams go into the wild card tier. And then what happens from there is literally it's called a cut line because they, they just cut teams each, each period. So the periods run about you know, two to three weeks where you are in the season and basically it cuts down the the first championship round and then it cuts down to 30 teams and then the final round is 10 teams before claiming a champion so it's a lot of fun it keeps you on your toes and the cool thing is the point system is not exactly like you would think where it's like so once you get into the the tiers so there's the championship tier and then there's the wild card tier 
basically not all of your points carry over. So you get points from that period, that the two to three week period of each of the, the playoff rounds, basically, but also like a, a portion of your points from the previous like season. So like our counter. So previous season total is factored in on top, but the most important thing is ultimately that that round. So that three week round, that three week period. So it kind of plays like a head to head in that way. The scoring is a little different. It's not like your standard, I guess, best ball league. The the league actually favors hitters pretty significantly, which we'll talk a little bit about how that affected my strategy. But here's the basic scoring. So hitting scoring, hitters at bat is a neg is minus one point, a hits four points, a run is two points, home run six, RBI two, and stolen base five. And then you go to pitchers, and each inning pitched is three points. If you allow a hit, minus one, and earn run, minus two. You walk someone, it's minus one. You get a strikeout, it's one point. A win is six, and a save is eight. So it's kind of enticing. They try to gear the scoring be more geared towards like a standard Roto League, but in a points format. But it actually does favor hitting a decent bit. But that certainly plays into people's strategy. It is a two-catcher league like most NFBC. It's your standard NFBC roster there where you have two catchers, a first, second, third baseman, and shortstop. You have a corner and middle infielder, five outfielders, a utility spot, and then nine pitchers. And then the bench being 19 to get you to that 42-man roster. Very fun format, and I like Rasslam because it involves industry people and also fans get into the league, or I guess not, not fans per se, but like readers and just normal fantasy players get in as well. It's a lot of fun. That's basically the a brief overview of the whole league. Let's talk about our team. So what was your approach like going into the draft? Like what did you want, set out to do from the beginning? Yeah, so with it being more slender towards hitting, as you mentioned, I wanted to establish a good core of hitters. But the way the board fell, I kind of adjusted that slightly on the fly. I ended up going actually three of my first five were pitchers. Um, but then I went very hitting after like the next I think next 10 rounds, I only went one more pitcher after that. But some of the guys that were falling to me, I just kind of had to. And I was like, all right, I know this is more pit, you know, hitter friendly format, but let me just let me establish like this like trio of like just dynamite arms and then just fill a lot of hitters after that. Uh, so I was in the eighth spot here. Um, I got Acuna as my first selection, which I'm feeling really good about. He's, you know, obviously everything's been positive with Acuna. It looks like he's going to be ready. And you know, the slight delay of, you know, a week or so here to the start of the season only just helps him even that much more. Uh, before that, it was Tatis, Turner, Vladdy, Joe Ram, Bichette, Soto, and Otani. Uh, so I took Acuna there. Then my, th my next uh, four rounds were Corbin Burns. Then I got Max Scherzer, Trevor Story, and then Sandy Alcantara. So I was like, all right, I got three of my top like eight or so. Like I'm obviously super high on Sandy Alcantara this year, maybe one of the highest. Me, me and George Montez are really driving that train at this point this year. But uh, so then after that, I went really hitter. Like I said, a lot of hitters after that. Only my next pitcher was you Darvish in the 10th and then Gallon in the 14th. So which I, was, I still like those are both good values, I think. Um, I said I got a lot of power speed early with Acuna and Story. Got my catcher early as well uh, with Dalton Varsho in the seventh. I think it's my first Varsho share this year. 
Um, added in a little bit of Christian Yelich or Ty France, a couple guys I don't have a lot of shares of, um, but then filled it out from there. But yeah, I decided to just change it up on the fly and get those three studs. So I'm happy with it. You know, some people said it may have been a little too pitcher heavy, but I like getting those three guys. These are guys that go deep. These are guys that get these are guys that get wins. These are guys that get strikeouts. You know, low ratios. So I think they'll I think they'll play in this format. So I'm overall happy uh, with my start here. Like, I'll give them my top ten. Were Acuna, Burns, Scherzer, Storio, Contra, Bregman, Varsho, Yelich, uh, France, and then you Darvish. So that's how I started my draft here. How about you? Yeah, and you mentioned that everybody wants to stack hitters, but I think it's so easy to exploit the pitching market. Right. And honestly, like last year was the first year I did a cut line, and I did extremely well. Like I was leading the championship bracket up until the final two weeks, and I went pitchers early. Like I kind of exploited yeah. that. And I, I honestly, last year was more because I didn't know that hitters or that pitchers <laughs> fell as much. I was just drafting the bell. Like, dang, this is good value. Right. I'm like, crap, no one's drafting pitchers, but it kind of worked out. So while the, in my opinion, while overall the hitters are more valuable, like you look at the top hitter and they're going to score a lot more points than the top pitcher. Having the top pitcher is extremely valuable and it's the same thing in a normal best ball format because of position scarcity so having the top pitcher when you have to roster nine arms is so much more beneficial it's the same like a catcher so catchers go really high in this cut line format like uh, i think i saw sal and and will smith go in second and third rounds Mm. because of the position scarcity and they're that much more valuable then you factor in having two catchers on the roster and it kind of makes a big dent if you don't have a good catcher so they go early so i had the number two pick and i went trey turner there uh fernando tatis went off the board first so it was pretty easy for me to pick trey as i mentioned you look at how the points stack up there and stolen bases are almost worth as much as home runs here so it's six for home runs five for stolen bases so you look if trey turner's a 30 30 type guy there's a lot of points there not to mention four points for every hit. So the and Trey Turner produces a ton of hits. So a lot of value there. Follow that up with Walker Bueller at 23. I actually kind of wanted to go with I missed Corbin Burns by one spot. He went 22nd. So that was tough. I really, really thought I was getting burns. And oh, so that would have been great. Yeah, I was prepared to start Trey and Burns, which would have been awesome. But shout out to Bob Osgood who is freaking sniping me in relegation <laughs> right now, left and right. And he was drafting next to me in wrestling as well. So I was chatting with him. I said, he said, we need to co-draft a team because we think so similarly, apparently because we kept literally just sniping each other like all day. So yeah, that was frustrating, but Bob really killed that and killed me in a way because I was sitting here like, man, it's happening. Like, Cole went early. Cole actually went fifth overall. Then no one took a pitcher until Burns went 22nd. I really thought I was getting him. So I went Bueller. There's a, you know, a lot of depth in the arm. He's going to throw a lot of innings. Not the high strikeout upside. Obviously would have wanted Burns there, but Bueller will provide solid points totals there. And then I followed that up in the third round, 26th overall with Teoscar Hernandez. Again, looking at a power speed threat here that is still a solid average. I like getting Teoscar there as well went back to the hitter well in the four round with byron buxton power speed kind of risky it was at 47 overall but again if everything clicks right 
Buxton's yeah. first round talent, and I just felt the value was good there. Went it's back. Gonna to it's going to happen at some point, right? It's going to well, happen. Yeah, you you think? <laughs> I mean, it's probably going to happen when everybody's completely out on him, and he's going probably. to like pick three hundred. But yeah, it, it's it could happen. It could bust. But I do still like that potential return on investment there, especially you look at some of the hitters that are going before him, and you know the power speed in Buxton's really undeniable. Went Shane Bieber at 50. DeGrom went in the pick before at 49, which I'm not sure I would have taken DeGrom over Bieber. The injuries still concern me. And a couple other pitchers have begun to go off the board at that point. So I mentioned Cole went at five. Burns went 22nd. I took Bueller at 23. Woodruff went 27th. Uh, Zach Wheeler, 38. Max Scherzer, 45. Obviously, Scherzer probably would have been my target because I think he's easily a top three, four arm this year. But Agreed. He went off right far. I took Buxton. And then, so then I at pick 50 went Bieber. DeGrom went right before that. Julio Urias went at 53. I don't know. I still prefer Bieber there because of innings. I just don't, I'm not sure. And everybody's concerned, but I'm not really concerned. Bieber's showing the past that he can go full seasons over and over and over. The strikeout stuff's there. He's 100% healthy. I'm not really worried about it personally. So Bieber at 50. Feels like really, really good value there. So we drop on down the sixth round, and I also took Dalton Varsho. Nice. I was just praying really, really hard because at that point, catchers had gone extremely early. And like I said, it's important to have it. Sal Perez went 17th. Uh, Will Smith went 30th. JT Real Muto went 42nd. So they were going early. And then Grandal obviously is a, a big target in this format because OBP skills. He went 59th. So literally, I set on it and was hoping Varsho is my fifth catcher ranked in this format so i sat on it for 10 picks praying he would get there <laughs> i thought bob would snipe me because that's what he'd been doing all day but 71st pick dalton varsho and then at 74 went nolan arenado third base just really really weak uh, bregman had gone much earlier uh, some other high-end targets had gone off the board and nolan arenado is i think a solid play in this format as well and you know it's for what it's worth, Anthony Rendon went 77th, and I'd much rather have Arenado than Rendon. Agreed. So filling out third base is important, so I did that there. Uh, let's see, going down the board, that was seventh round, Arenado. Eighth round went Dylan Cease, 95th overall, like a lot of upside there. That's the kind of arm that I like in this format because Cease has a lot of elite outings and some bad ones too, but in best ball, the bad ones are just thrown out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect right. your team. So you get the elite outings that really benefit your team each week, and the bad ones just don't matter. So it's Cease is a great target in a best ball format. If you're still drafting a best ball, he's the kind of player that I'm targeting. So I had three pitchers at that point. Went back to the hitting well at 98 overall. Ninth round, Christian Yelich, who I think is a reasonable bounce back. Good OBP skills. I think the power does come back to an extent. So Yelich at 98 was a good value. Then 10th round, I went with Jake Cronenworth. The thing about NFBC best ball is there's multi-position eligibility versus on fan tracks, it's just one position. And the nice thing is when you have a player like Cronenworth who's three positions, it almost frees up two roster spots for you to use elsewhere because you have to fill out and balance the roster in this kind of best ball format. And you have to have depth at every position, but with getting Cronenworth, you you have that depth at three positions. So you get the first base, uh, short, and second all covered. Like he can fill in, in any one of those on any given week if he's the highest scorer at that position, which I think is really nice. And uh, multi-position guys really get pushed in this format. 
So getting Cronenworth near his normal ADP felt like pretty good value here. So I, I'm not the biggest Cronenworth fan in the world, but I do think he's a decent points league play, and plus the multi-position is really effective here in this format. So those are my first 10 rounds. You kind of want to just read off how the rest of our team went after that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, and I echo a lot of what you said there. Like we, I've got Kristen Yelich as well and Dalton Varsho, Bregman for the OBP. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely in that same line of thinking. And I got some multi-position guys as well. Ty France, um, who I got in the ninth round. Uh, and then I got, obviously, Darvish in the 10th. Uh, rest of my team here, I got Chris Taylor in the 11th. Obviously, That's you good. know, se- second short outfield. That's a little bit of everything. So, I, I think Taylor's just extremely undervalued this year. In general, uh, Joey Gallo, who... I got only because of OBP and, and the power there. So I think that's what pick uh, that was 12th round. So we're talking 132, like 137 or so. Yeah, that's pretty uh, good considering the the format. I right. Yeah. yeah. I thought so. I usually never get Gallo. And it also didn't help that right before me. I forget who it was. But Jared Kalnick went right before that <laughs> pick. So I was very upset uh, about that. I keep getting sniped on Kalnick. People just like, like to do it to me. I don't know why. But uh, rest of the 13 through 20 rounds here. Got Yoan Moncada. Uh, so I got some nice third base depth there behind Alex Bregman. Gallon is my uh, SP5. Uh, back to that, but Travis Dayarno is my second catcher. I uh, wanted to secure, you know, get two of the top, you know, my top 12, 13 catchers or so. So I don't have to worry about it later on. Uh, then with Eugenio Suarez, who I'm surprisingly having more shares of than I thought I would. But the power is nice. I think there's a bounce back with the average. He's actually dual eligible, third and short. Uh, so that's really nice as well. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, Logan Gilbert, Frankie Tanky, Schwindel, round 19. I uh, got, got a closer here, Blake Trenin in round 20. Grubby Grossman, which I thought was great value, good OBP guy, power speed, round 21. I thought that was, that was really good value. Gavin Lux, 22, 23. Uh, this is probably one I would like back because I think this was right before the news broke that he's kind of behind schedule and i got lance mccullers so we'll see uh it could be could work out great might not 24 harrison bader i like that nice obp power speed guys well Oscar you know uh isaiah isaiah kind of falefa which looks really good now i think this was right after the josh young uh josh young news broke uh, so i like that for some speed there uh rest of the way lamonte way jr cal quantro rowdy telez love rowdy got a lot of shares of him this year Adbert Alzale, Tony Kemp, who's you know second and outfield eligible. I think he's a good pick in you know in that range, round 31. Rich Hill, Hasyan Kim, multi-position eligibility there as well. Luis Torrens as my third catcher. Uh, Alex Reyes, Andres Jimenez, Matt Manning, Grayson Rodriguez, Josh Lowe, who I think if, if they do trade Kevin Kiermaier, uh, Tampa Bay, which has been rumored they might. Josh Lowe is going to be a guy you're going to want to have in your team. I'm just going to say that. Josh Lowe is very, very good. I uh, did our little profile on him on our Patreon. Then I rounded it out last three rounds. Nick Lodolo, who I hope is up soon. Cole Calhoun and Mike Miner. So overall, I like it. Uh, I'd try to give myself a grade. I say a, a B. I don't love it, but I think this is a team that could uh, could contend and, and you know last late into the season. Love my pitching here. I've got a lot of Good power speed, some good OBP, a lot of multi-position eligibility guys. So it uh, gives me that, some flexibility throughout the season, especially by some injuries. Uh, so yeah, overall, I am I'm a yeah I'm a, I'm a fan of this team. Well, I think I can do some damage with this team. But uh, how about you? How did you uh, finish out your team here? Yeah, so followed up 
the 11th through 15th rounds with Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Glaber Torres, Luis Garcia, and that is the Astros, Luis Garcia. There's several, followed by Jorge Soler <laughs> in the 15th. And then I went 16 through 20 with Anthony Rizzo, Charlie Blackman, Harrison Bader, Anthony Descafani, and Aaron Savali. So really hitting the pitching depth in the 10th through 20 rounds. And then, let's see, 21 through 25, Carson Kelly became my catcher two. So I kind of had to, at that point, I had Varsho, who I feel good about. Kelly, I think, gets a decent amount of play appearance. So I have both Arizona catchers, and you think when Varsho, Varsho's in center field, uh, Kelly will be back there. So I do think that Kelly gets a bulk. So I knew at that point I started to get another catcher. So I did address that within these next few picks. Um, we got Brandon Nimmo, 263 in the 22nd round. That's that's good value right there at yeah. Yep, he's uh, and he should be leading off for that Mets team, which is a really, really good lineup. He's gonna score a ton of runs. He's he to stay healthy. I was I was actually looking at him the uh, is it earlier today or, or yesterday? And OBP right over four hundred each of the yes, last two nuts. years. It's just he's got he's I think he's got like eighty. It was like mid eighties runs combined over the last two years and like a hundred and like hundred and thirty five ish games. So just stay healthy and he can score over a hundred easily. Yeah, that's really the biggest thing. It's just his health. Um, 23rd round, I took, uh, he who shall not be named a pitcher for the Dodgers. You can guess who that is, but, uh, <laughs> I do feel good about him throwing some significant innings. So it's 266. It's hard to pass up there. This is fantasy baseball. We're talking about here on drafting his stats. And then I mentioned another catcher, James McCann at 24, 24th round, 287 overall, followed by Nick Madrigal in the 25th round. Then went Mike Moustakis in the 26th, Drew Rasmussen 27th, Luis Torrens sat rounded out my four catchers. So I feel like four catchers gives you a pretty, pretty good you know, base here. So Luis Torrens uh, 28th round, Corey Kluber 29th round, and Paul DeYoung 20 or 30th round. And I just need to note because I'm drafting Paul DeYoung in every draft. He's reworked his swing with the same swing coach that fixed JD Martinez, that has fixed a ton of elite hitters. So I am all in on Paul DeYoung at his price. I think that and no one else is – unless they go sign a shortstop, he's going to get plenty of plate appearances. There's good power there. He's shown him hit for a decent average in the past. I'm counting on a rebound. Lorenzo Cain in the 31st round, like, come on. That dude is still going to be a 15-15 player, and the points are definitely there in the home run speed categories here, which is huge. Um, Reed Detmers, 383. 32nd round, Bobby Bradley, 33rd round, J.D. Davis in the 34th round, Rugnet Odor, 35th round. Yeah, that's a, a fun pick right there. Um, then I hit some pitchers that I like to break out this year, Mitch Keller in the 36th, Tyler Beatty in the 37th, but then a boring Cole Irvin in the 38th. Hit some breakouts and prospects to finish out. Bradley Zimmer in the 39th, Ramsey Contreras, 40th, Luis Hill in the 41st, and Spencer Howard in to round out the draft with the 42nd round pick. So, yeah, this was a fun draft. I do like this format a, a lot. It's a ton of fun. So um, if you have the chance to do a cut line, I'd suggest doing it. Um, read up. There's some good articles out there. FTN has one. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Matty Wood wrote it. A, a good cut line primer so you can understand the format. And it really helps you because it's different. It really is different than any other format you play. So fun one I'm looking forward to. Rass slam and you know those two cut lines in the fab period so it's a lot of fun it definitely is and uh it's gonna be 
interested to see how our team split out. I like your team as well. So I think uh, I think this could be a couple of good teams for us this year. We'll yeah. see. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, though. We'll come back on the other side and talk a little TGFBI and some tout. So we'll be right back. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back. Let's get into let's go TGFBI next. Uh, mine just concluded yesterday. Uh, how did how did you end up like it's just in general oversense, Chris? How did you end up liking your TGFBI team? Obviously different. It's this has fab moves throughout the season, thirty rounds, so um, you can afford to you know fix your team when you need to throughout the year. But when uh, this, what were your overall thoughts of how your team looked after your draft year? Um, I don't know. I'm like sometimes like more critical of myself than I need to be in my drafts. So it's, it's tough. Um, I, I like it. I was picking on the fourth spot, which, um, I got Jose Ramirez in the first round, which obviously like that a lot. Um, I did draft Josh Hader early to get a good, um, base of saves, which I do think is important, but overall, I do think that I'm going to have to address closer through the fab, but overall, I, I think it can be a good team. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, TGFBI is always fun. As you mentioned, it brings the all the everyone in the industry together, and it's just a great time, a great time of community with everybody in this industry. So Justin Mason obviously does a great job putting that on. But yeah, in a general sense, like I like my team, but I'm not like, wow, like that, like I knocked that draft out of the park. Yeah, you like your team a lot. I don't know. It's it. <laughs> you you uh, could be honest. If you like your team a lot, you like your team a lot. That's not no shame in saying that. I know, but it's just all <laughs> you always have that little bit of hesitation. Because right. Like, you know, you don't want to be like overhyped on it. Um, so it'd be interesting to see there. There's when we go through the picks, there's a couple things I'll mention that could be good or could be bad. We'll see. I definitely regret not getting a catcher early. I tried to, but they just kept going before me. So catcher really sucks but we, we can discuss that a little bit as we talk <laughs> about the teams yeah i ended up i, I got an, another sheriff day or no here is my catch my second catcher nice. so um my, my two catchers were i got grundall and they are no this time so two catches uh, that again two of my top 15 or so there grundall's top five for me um i was in the 11 spot i i every draft i'm in i'm in like the back half of i haven't had like a top five pick in forever i just I don't know what it is this year. I think last year I got a lot of early picks. I think this year, I, <laughs> I guess it's just adjusting and I'm getting all the, the back end picks, but yeah. which, I, which I don't mind. Uh, I, I liked it a little bit more when I could get like Ronald Acuna at pick 11, 12, 13. Right. Now he's going like seven, eight, nine more. So uh, he went nine in this one. Uh, so I had picked 11, this is 15 teamer. Uh, Michael Govier was in this one. Tim McLeod, uh, some good, good people in, the, in my TGFBI league here. I started out with Bryce Harper at 11. Love Bryce Harper. He's a stud. 
Uh, I also got some a lot of good pitching early. Like I went pitchers, three of my first six picks. Got Walker Bueller in the second. Sandy Alcantara, again, I'm just getting all the shares of Sandy I can uh, in the third. And he was like the 12th or so pitcher off the board. So I thought that was really good value. Uh, he went behind um, the Hader and Urias and, and Nola. So I think I got a good value there with him. Also got Lindor in the fourth, who I, I like I like in the fourth round. I think he's fine there. Let's pick 50 on the dot. So I'm, I'm fine taking him there, even though I've been kind of critical of him in the past. I think that's good value. Eloy Jimenez uh, in the fifth. Logan Webb in the sixth. Uh, I think he was like the 23rd or 24th arm off the board, if I remember correctly. And I have Logan Webb as my SP12 or 13th this year. Uh, he went behind Manoa, Dylan Cease, Jack Flaherty, Luis Castillo, Musgrove, Freed, uh, Lance Lynn, all arms that I really like, but I have him ranked ahead of all of them. So I was ecstatic to get Logan Webb as my SP3, three of my top 12 or 13 arms, three guys that I consider aces for this year. So I felt good about that. Rounded out um, top 10 here. You guys are Grandal, DJ LeMahieu who I think is an, a nice little bounce back this year. Uh, that was in round eight, so we're, we're talking those pick one, uh, 110. So I think solid value. He's got multi-position eligibility. I think he's a bounce back this year once he's healthy. And then I went a trio of pitchers, two closers. Got my Craig Kimbrell, hoping, praying he gets traded. Like I, I put out a tweet earlier. I was like, some of my, my six things I, I want for the rest of the offseason for moves to be made. Like I, I want Craig Kimbrell to be dealt because I have a lot of Kimbrell shares this year. And I want the Dodgers to not bring in a big name closer because I have a lot of Blake Trinan shares as well. And he got, I got him two runs later in, in round 11 with Tyler Molly sandwiched in between them. Got a little Alex Kirilov here on the 12th. Colton Wong, very underrated guy, a little power speed, uh, hitting high in that Milwaukee orders. I think he's very underrated for this year. Conforto, nice bounce back, I think, coming from him. Frank, Frank Schundel, another guy I've gotten a lot of. Travis Dayerno, Oscar Inoa, Jesus Sanchez, nice breakup potential there the 18th and then i'll do the rest of my team here jesus lazardo at round 20 love lazardo we've talked about that ad nauseum including when nick pollock on the last episode tony gonsolin i have a guy i love a lot jp crawford steven strasberg so a little risk there with those three but i think with the base i established earlier on with my pitching i think i could take a little bit of risk there uh so strasberg was 23rd with nico horner tyrone taylor jose barrero on the 26th Nick Pavetta, Kyle Gibson. So guys that are a little safer, just kind of good innings guys there. Uh, 27th, 28th round. Pavin Smith, who I have oddly have a lot of shares of. I keep finding myself driving Pavin Smith for some odd reason. I don't even like Pavin Smith that much, but I got a lot of shares of him. And then ended it with a Rwanzi Contreras. So I hope that makes the Pittsburgh rotation because it's terrible and he should make it. So overall, I felt pretty good with my team. How'd your, how'd your draft go? As I mentioned, the fourth slot starting out, I loved getting Jose Ramirez in that spot, filling third base early and getting a power speed threat who's just so consistent. That's the thing. he He's so consistent year over year. And yeah, you may not be starting the team with like an elite batting average, but that's okay. Like Jose Ramirez is going to get the job done. And shoot, I wish the shift was being banned this year because Jose Ramirez is highly affected by the shift. So if that was out this year, then this pick would look even better. But I followed up second round, Starling Marte. The speed base here is really high at this point. Um, going back, you know, it'd be interesting. I'm not sure if I would make this pick again, but again, how the board fell, and I didn't love any of these picks really. 
I debated between Jordan and Starling Marte like over and over and over. That was the the two really that were there. I mean, like Tim Anderson went right before me. Obviously, filling out shortstop is good early as well. All the pitchers had gone. So for me at that point, it was either take Jordan or Starling Marte. And I went Marte just from the speed standpoint. Like now you have a solid base of probably at least 50 to 60 stolen bases between Ramirez and Marte. And Jose provides enough power to really balance out Marte there. Followed up in the third with Josh Hader. Hendricks went. I knew it was time. I wanted to get an early closer, so I did. The goal was really to get an early closer and early catcher, two-catcher format, and I'd missed the catcher, but I did get the closer. I got Josh Hader. 34th feels early, but needed a solid base of saves there. Robbie Ray fell to 57 in the fourth round, so that was my first starting pitcher. I don't love Ray as much as most, but I do think he's going to still be providing solid ratios and high in strikeouts, so... Raise my SP1 to balance out with Hater, And you'll see I have a pick later after this one. So I took Randy Rosarena in the fifth. Again, we're looking at a pick where the speed base, so all three of my hitters provide stolen bases. Randy's not the biggest power hitter, but again, power's easy to find later. I fill it out later with power hitters, so we're okay. Max Freed in the sixth. Perfect compliment to Robbie Ray, in my opinion. 87th overall, Max Freed. Just insanity. Max Freed is a high floor pitcher that's going to provide good ratios and about a strikeout in inning. Robbie Ray's going to provide elite strikeouts, and even if the ratios aren't there, him and Freed balance out extremely well. Seventh round went Kettle Marte to fill second base. Every time he's on the field, that's the question on the field, but you know, good good batting average, good power, so I like Kettle there. Mitch Hanniger, I, I've, he's fallen in all my drafts, and I don't get it. I wasn't prepared to take him. He fell to 117, eighth round, another out. He was my third outfielder, so I went there. Zach Gallon in the ninth is my SP3. And Glaber Torres is my shortstop. This is something I do regret because shortstop falls off a cliff. I really, really wanted Willie Adamas. Went one pick before me. Oh, I was more than prepared to take Adamas, and I, was, I thought it was going to happen. I was sitting there prepared. So here's the problem. So I was going to do it. It, and I was in the fourth pick, so the, I didn't have many picks. For I had six picks between me at the turn. I took Hanniger at one seventeen, and I was looking. And I said, "All right, every the three teams between me all have shortstops." So I was like, "Adamus is going to come back. Like people aren't going to fill the middle infield yet." And Hanniger was the best value on the board. So this is where game theory comes in, and I can tell you that I regret, even though Hanniger was the best value on the board here. Like I needed Adamus more. So I should have taken Adamas there instead of hoping he would make it back those six picks, even with those three teams in between me all having shortstops. So took Haniger. Unfortunately, uh, Adamas went. like He was the guy I was prepared to take there. He's the last of a tier, but ended up with Gallon, that pick after I mentioned. Glaber Torres is my shortstop. Don't love that, but I think he should be in for a bounce back. Then the Max Muncie news had come out, and everybody was like, well, he hasn't started swinging yet, but what no one realized was that interview that Muncie did where he said he was starting to begin swinging was in January. The news came out, but Muncie said in January that he was going to start swinging soon. I think he's been swinging. I think he's fine, honestly. So I took him at 148 as my first baseman. Sorry, 154, 11th round as my first baseman. Muncie, elite power. He can return easy top 100 value if healthy. 
Then I went Marcelo Zuna. So power, I mentioned it's easy to find late. Ozuna provides power and 177, hard to pass up. 13th round, Luis Severino. I think Severino's going to be pitching at least 150 innings, and he's an ace when he pitches. So Severino in the 13th round, followed by Brendan Belt in the 14th, filling out the corner spot. Once again, I mentioned power. Belt is going to be a huge beneficiary of the DH. Hopefully it helps him to stay healthy. Big power here in his profile. This is where it gets a little dicey because I went Joe Barlow in the 15th. I don't know if Barlow is the closer. Texas could go out and sign somebody. I hope that he's a closer. I think he could be a closer, but at this point, most closers had gone out the window, so I did take Barlow there. First catcher, Elias Diaz in the 16th. I'm intrigued by Diaz a little bit in Colorado, but again, I missed catcher early. This is kind of what you deal with in that place, so I kind of got stuck with Diaz. John Gray, another one I'm getting a lot of. Gray going around pick 250. Hard to pass up there, so I got Gray at 244. Anthony Santander at 267. Herman Marquez at 274. This seems silly. Marquez is a huge innings eater. Like, while he may, he's in a Colorado pitcher, sure, but he's not bad. At this pick price, he's going to throw at least 180 innings. This is worth having in a weekly league format. You can choose to sit him because how far down he is on my roster. Don't feel bad. I took Gary Sanchez in the 20th. I don't love my two catcher situation personally with Diaz and Sanchez. That's probably the biggest meh, but we'll finish out the last 10 rounds pretty quickly. Went Andrew McCutcheon, Cesar Hernandez in the middle infield, Steven Strasburg, Hassan Kim, Patrick Corbin, Jorge Alcala, Sam Hilliard, Bobby Bradley, Josh Stalmount, and Bradley Zimmer rounding it out. And that was my 30-round TGFBI team. Nice little uh, Bradley Zimmer to end it off the yep. draft there. And we'll... I- I power it. speed. That's a nice yep. pick. Got him in at the end of Rast Slam too. So he's he's a guy. I think in worst case, you if he's your last pick, you drop him. Like who exactly? Cares? He's after so. yeah. He's after a hot start. Great. If you have a cold start, you drop him and you get get off rage and off the wires. So exactly. Yep. Nice uh nice end to your draft there. I like your team a lot too. Uh, so move on. We'll finish out with Tout. Uh, so obviously a lot of different Tout leagues out there, all different. I am in the tout draft and hold, so 50, you know, 50 rounds, you know, DC style there. Uh, Chris, you're in, remind me, you're in 12 team mixed, but it's modified. Mixed. It's a five by five, but OBP instead of average, innings pitched instead of win, and saves and holds instead of save. So it's a completely different format and it's it's a lot of fun. It changes the draft board pretty dramatically, honestly, which which is a lot of fun. So, and this was a live draft. This is the only live draft I've done all year. Minute pick clock that was really intense. When you're in a room with right. with elite tout, absolutely. My first live draft, and it literally be live is it'll be in person. Is Nerf on Sunday night? Nice. We're making a two and a half ish hour drive down uh, to meet everybody down in Waltham, Massachusetts, which is kind of uh, near Boston a little bit. So uh, it'd be nice to see everybody. I'll probably be meeting my former podcast ho- co-host, Jake Devereaux, for the first time. So that'll be fun to finally meet Jake. Jeff Ponce is in that league and, and Chris Baseball Pods, many, many others. So, uh, yeah, my tout league was obviously loaded too. All the tout leagues are like yeah. Matt Williams, Toby Gervin, you know, b- uh, uh, bat flip, Toby, that one. Fred Zinke, James Anderson, Vlad Sedler. Mike Sheets, Nando Dafino, it's just 
so many great names. Uh, Michael Florio as well. Uh, I got, again, late pick. I was in the turn at pick 15. And this year, I wanted to I wanted to establish a safer core than I had in years past. Because uh, last year, my first year in tout, where I was in the top four for first half of the season. Uh, even I was in first for a little bit. And then injuries happened. Didn't have the the players to fill in. I went too prospect heavy later on. That really bit me. I just had some empty spots some weeks. I couldn't just couldn't fill with anybody that was actually active. Uh, so that was really that really bit me. So I ended up falling down to like tenth or eleventh overall last year out of fifteen. So wanted to try to avoid that. So at the turn, uh, we won't go through like every single pick here, but I'm still in round twenty, uh, about to do the twenty seven twenty eight turn. It's a little over halfway, and I'm probably gonna be taking Pavin Smith here in a minute as I'm on on the deck here. Pavin Smith's near the top of my queue. Um, I started off with Shohei Otani, who is uh, this hitter and pitcher in this. So yeah, hitter Otani there, and then Luis Robert. So nice little, you know, maybe Robert's a little risky there, but big power speed left in both those guys. I got a lot of speed here. I got Whit Merrifield in the third. I got Javier Baez in the eighth. It's OBP as well, so that's why he fell to the eighth. Um, Tommy Edmond later on, Brian Hayes. So I got a good core of speed there uh also my pitchers i went chris sale in the fourth logan webb in the fifth alec manoa in the seventh i uh, got training again <laughs> i got so many training chairs don't sign a closer los angeles for the love of god don't sign a closer um my other closer so far is gregory soto also got michael kopech some john gray aaron ashby strasburg and taiwan walker uh i got isaiah kind of again Just love that cheap speed late. I don't think people are kind of his, I don't think his ADP is really adjusted as much as I thought it would after the news of Josh Young being out for the next like five, six months. So uh, he's a nice speed guy. got him in the 22nd round. So pick three fifteen or so uh, a little bit of Andrew Vaughn, Lane Thomas, more Frank Schwindel in there as well. Two catchers, Alejandro Kirk and Max Stasi, who I got later on in the 21st round. Uh, who else I got in there? Mitch Hanniger, Alc Bregman for some OBP. Uh, so I, I like my team overall. I feel a lot better uh, about this team than I did about last year's team. Uh, so I think this is, and I'll, I'll probably get some prospects mixed in here, but I'm still trying to fill out and get a lot of guys that I can plug in. Like I just got Hyseon Kim last round. I've got some Brendan Marsh as well. So I'm still trying to get that nice depth before I start taking chances on prospects later. Uh, so like I said, that did bite me last year. So do like the team overall. Um, how about you? How's your, how did your draft go? Yeah. So I mentioned um, live, you had to be on the ball and you had to be ready at all times. And, you know, for the most part, like I felt that I was well-prepared at every pick, even though Chris Towers was at the turn, he picked first. So he was at the turn. I was near him. And I feel like every time I was ready to take a player, he would go towers would take him like two or three picks early um, I thought I was I was out of the five spots. <laughs> it's funny you keep getting the back end. I keep getting the front end of drafts. <laughs> um, OBP format. Obviously, the draft board goes a little bit differently. The hitters went off the board first um, in order of Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Jose Ramirez. And at that point, I really thought that I was going to get Trey Turner at the five spot. I didn't, and Turner went fourth to Jeff Bogus, and I ended up taking Garrett Cole. Not my normal way to go, 
But with the innings pitched instead of wins, I think the innings is important. So building a stack of innings early is huge with good ratios, and Cole provides that. So I took Cole first overall, and then come back around. I took Ozzy Albies at 20 overall, the second round pick, which is interesting. Albies isn't a huge OBP guy, but at that point, the power speed had really come off the board. And so filling out second base was obviously a priority to me, and I can fill out the power later again i was prepared to go elsewhere but my dudes kept going off the board i took matt olson in the third followed by lucas giolito in the fourth and then when the catcher started going after after tgfbi and even wrestling where i didn't get a top catcher in this format i was gonna do that i was i was bound and determined to i'm real muto went in the fourth sal perez went in the fourth i got will smith in the fifth at 53 overall in obp I genuinely think Smith is catcher one. Sal Perez has terrible OBP skills. Um, Real Muto, while he is solid OBP, I just really think Will Smith's going to get a huge benefit from the DH in Los Angeles. He's going to get way more plate appearances. His OBP skills are really good. His power's there. So C1, Will Smith at 53 overall. Went Joe Musgrove, my dude, in the sixth. Like, I'm all over Musgrove this year. His value's really good. Yelich in the seventh. He does get a little OBP boost for me. Brian Reynolds in the eighth. Again, why are we letting Brian Reynolds fall down in the 90s? It's he shouldn't. He he's so good. And yeah, he's obviously a plus in bang average, but he's a plus in OBP too. I mean, yeah, he's a 380 OBP guy. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. And he 25 home runs with a 380 OBP, five steals. Like, give me that all day. Yeah, good counting stats as well. Like, I think people yeah. just like see that, see that he's on Pittsburgh. Like, every Pittsburgh guy is underrated because, oh, it's Pittsburgh. And yeah, I get it. But he's the hit in the middle, you know, hitting third. And he's have Cruz and, and Cabrian Hayes. Like, that's not a bad, like, top four in the order. He scored 95 runs and drove in like 94 last year without Hayes, without Cruz. It was just him. Yeah, there's no reason he can't do it again. So the counting stats are there. This was a pick. Then my next pick in the ninth round, I was praying because third base was falling off hard. I got Chris Bryant, who I don't love, but he's a good OBP asset. Continually 360 or more, solid power, and chipping a few steals too. Here's the thing: at this point, I have missed out on stolen bases hard, other than Albies. So go down the list. I've got Albies at 15 and 20 steals. Matt Olson a zero. Will Smith a zero. Yelich, I'm hoping for 10. Reynolds, I'm hoping 5. Brian, hoping 5 to 10. I've got to chip away somewhere. I'm not drafting a Miles Straw type. So I got Trent Grisham in the, in the 10th round. Grisham's a good OBP asset. He fell to 116, which is where he's going in an average league, but his OBP skills are 350-plus consistently. If he gives me 20-20, I'll be happy. Followed by Tyler Molly, thinking he's going to throw plenty of innings. And this is where I, the hitters in this range just kind of were man. So I went Molly in the 11th, Eduardo Rodriguez in the 12th, and Luis Garcia in the 13th. And at this point, shortstop I've whiffed on. And that's the problem. Like Everybody thinks shortstop stacked, which it is, but it bottoms out so quick. If you don't get one of the high-end shortstops, then you're really, really screwed. So I reached a bid on Luis Arias at 164, but Arias is a good OBP asset, and we may have not seen his best. I think he went 23 home runs, five steals last year. I think we could see more. He's a good OBP asset. So Urias isn't the worst case. He's also got multi-position. Another common theme you'll see here, got Marcelo Zuna again because he's going so late. I think I have him on every team, Raslam, TGFBI, and this tout team. Harrison Bader in the 16th. Give me a little power speed there. 
Sony Gray in the 17th at 197. Bobby Dahlbeck in the 18th for the fill out that corner spot. Eduardo Escobar in the 19th for a middle infield slot, followed by Taylor Rogers. And this is in the saves and holds format. I don't, I'm not paying up early. Some of the like Hader Hendricks types, they went early, not like in, uh, I think all of them went after pick 50, but they were still going too high for my likings. So my decision was that if a solid closer that would post decent ratios fell, I would draft them, but also get the elite holds guys and for taylor rogers in my opinion his elite ratios and strikeouts it doesn't matter if he's a closer or not because he's gonna get plenty of saves and holds so rogers in the 20th jesus sanchez at 245 in the 21st a silly value this is where i probably reached a little bit because i got so i'm following a, a sgp value that i created with a, a bunch of different rankings and hector naris really popped when i put in these settings and so i was like shoot naris is like really high valued with holes in Houston. Like this is great. I probably jumped him a little early in the 22nd round at 260. But again, we're getting towards the end game of draft. Just went with it. Mike Zanino in the 23rd as my catcher two. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. I don't love it. OBP is not great, but there's power here. Jesus Lazardo, 284. Like, come on, these this value is just getting silly at this point with Lazardo. Andrew McCutcheon, a good OBP asset at 293. Andrew Kittredge, 308 overall, 26th round. Then I wrapped it up with Andrew, uh, with Hunter Dozier, multi-position there, first third outfield. Paul DeYoung in the 28th, and last pick, Luke Jackson, to fit, give me a fourth reliever there. So that was my Talent Wars draft, and he made some mistakes along the way in the fast draft. But overall, I probably like this team better than I do my TGFBI team, honestly. Nice. Yeah, that seemed like it was a pretty solid team there. Um, yeah, these were a lot of fun. All these industry leagues are always a good time uh, drafting with all, all of our buddies and people that we admire and uh, work with in the industry. So it's always uh, it's always fun doing these drafts. Like some, my tout draft is still ongoing. I'll let everybody know how that wraps up. Still got another 24 rounds to go. So probably another week of that. If this was Chris's wrestling. They'd finish this in 55 <laughs> minutes or so. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Hopefully, this uh, was a nice little fun episode. You know, talked a little bit of players, some strategy, and different types of formats. So, a little bit of everything in this episode. That will wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Cross04. Chris is at Roto Clegg, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, our Patreon, or at Fantasy Pros as well. And join us again next time for episode 100. We've got a great guest lined up. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.